0: Are you ready to live your best life? Be stronger and fall in love with yourself? It's possible and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jodi Harrison Bauer. Jodi used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jodi will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. And as always, I am so excited to have you join us today. Today is going to be a very entertaining show. And I was thinking about it before I got on air like every week, we always have somebody who's going to educate us, empower us, entertain us a bit, and inspire us so we can live a fearlessly authentic life. And and today's just going to be so entertaining. And I just love to hear from all of you. So please keep sending messages to me and emailing me, DMing me. You can find me and all of my platforms at Jody Harrison Bauer. You can also check out my guests today and I and my past guests on YouTube so you can see us live and moving. Don't look at YouTube right now when you're driving. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We have a five-star rating. And David, there are 100, 100 countries listening to the show right now wow so, yeah so we've got a lot of scoop to to talk about and i don't know if people still say um tea share the tea what is that tea thing Spill the tea i say it <laughs> okay i, I say it all right i don't know anyway my guest today is david Yantiv, host of behind the velvet robe podcast welcome to the show david Yantiv. Thank you for having me, yeah. I'm so excited. And it's funny how David and I um were sort of introduced. Because somebody that I used to train um, mentioned David to me, and I said, "Sure, I'd love to talk to somebody about reality TV." And I love all that stuff. Like, I I actually want to have my own reality TV show, and I wanted it long, long time ago. But anyway, and onto how we met. So he said, "Yeah, I'm going to introduce you." And he never did. So I just reached out to David after I looked at all of his stuff. And I said, yeah, this could be a good fit for Fearlessly Authentic. And because this guy has no fear, doesn't seem to have any fear at all. So when I found out his last name, I thought it sounded really familiar. And I asked him where he grew up. We actually grew up in the exact same town in the exact same neighborhood, David's house was right behind my house, and I never knew that. Which is crazy, right? It's so crazy. You are 10, 12, 15 years younger than me. So of course, I didn't know who you were, but I knew who your parents were because my parents, I think, were friendly or they say belonged to the same country club, something. And so um, I reached out to my sister who remembers everything more so, I, because I don't remember anything anymore. And she's like, yeah, I used to babysit for David.
0: That's so funny.
1: Do you her remember name? a babysitter named Sharon?
0: What's her last name? Savelle. Sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's, uh, it's, she's like, she totally remembered you and said you were a sweet little kid.
0: Well, that's nice. I mean, that was a long time ago, but that sounds familiar. The the name sounds familiar. I also don't really remember much. Not, not, not so much.
1: Well, you've, you know, you have no excuse. You're still a young man.
0: I think if you listen, I have a lot of things, a lot of reasons why. It's either A, I drink way too much alcohol, like I drink way too much vodka, B you know, it's early Alzheimer's said with no joke, just oh, like, I, I I don't know, I get scared or see, I think, and this is said with no ego. I just think if you live a very busy, active life, there is so much that goes in and you just, you just, it, a lot goes out. It's just, it is what it is. Whereas I think if you had a slower pace of life, you would remember things.
1: I, I think there's, there's something to that for sure. And I, I, I don't have ADD. Do you?
0: No, but a lot of people think that I do, but I truly don't. I right. I don't either. I need to be doing a lot of things at once. So like if someone's talking to me, I like to work at the same time.
1: And No, be- I noticed that I listened to about 20 of your episodes, David. So Dave, let me just tell everybody a little bit more. So David's podcast started three years ago, like right before the pandemic or in the middle of the pandemic. And it was because- Four years? Like four years,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. So, um, but you are a lawyer and a CPA yes. by tr- by trade. So that's crazy. I read somewhere that you are a cl- the most intelligent closet, the the closet in most- I say, I say that I'm
0: a closeted smart. I'm like a closeted smart person because I talk about reality TV all day and I just, I don't want to talk about like real life issues. So I say that I'm a closeted smart person- Because I think sometimes people think all I want to do is talk about reality TV, which is what I do for a living. I just don't want to talk about the real issues. I don't need to prove I'm smart because I am smart. So I don't want to talk about politics or the world or just my mind hurts. I just don't want to do it. Keep it
1: simple, right? keep keep it simple. simple. Right. So you started, explain how this all happened. You started hanging out with one of the housewives or how did this all happen?
0: I mean... I'll spare you a long story, but like after I stopped practicing law, I had a middle career in HR and all sorts of other things. But yes, I was between gigs and I just look, I mean, I live in New York. So, you know, if you live in New York or LA, it's not that hard to have access to these reality TV people. And I was hanging out with them. And throughout this, I was in between gigs in my life. And I was like, this should be some type of business. I didn't know what type of business it was. So I spent a good year trying to figure it out. But when I started my podcast, it really was like Wendy Williams style because I mean, I was hanging out with these reality TV people, a lot of housewives. It's I just fell into it. It's just, you get one friend, you get another friend, you're like, I'm hanging out with these people on reality TV. And I would tell these stories to certain people that I knew and they would hang on like every word. And I'd be like, okay, well, So like, it's like, if you take yourself out of it, I always relate it to like a child of a celebrity, like at some point you realize it's your norm. So I mean, your mother's your mother, Mm -hmm. you don't idolize Beyonce if she's your mother the same way the world does. But at some point, you know, if you're blue Ivy, you realize my life is different probably than most normal people's. Right. Right. So we don't have millions and millions and we don't have, you know, paparazzi. So it was kind of like that. And like, if I step outside of this, these stories would which they're my normal stories, I find them sometimes amusing, other times just like this is life. These stories seem to be interesting to the average person. They hang on the most minutiae of detail. So I'm like, maybe this is the business. So That's when a I, business idea. Okay, that's a business idea. So when I started my podcast, it really was to be like if you're a housewife and we have drinks on Monday, just like Wendy Williams, I'm going to talk about it on air tomorrow. Now, when I first started, I started a very watered down version because A, I needed everybody because we were trying to build a business and B, look, I'm not an idiot. Like if I was out with someone and they said like, I'm announcing a divorce and it's going to be on page six in a month, don't say it. I wouldn't say it. It was very light. Spotter of, like, she had an extra drink. Well, I went to the bathroom and I came back, and all I know is she was walking out the door with some tall, hot, and handsome guy. So it was very light. And I mean, that's what I consider light. It wasn't yes. like, oh, we're about to file bankruptcy tomorrow. Don't tell anyone. I mean, so that's kind of how it started. COVID came very shortly thereafter. And then I was home and I'm like, let me reach out to people. Let me start bringing some of these people on my show to interview. And then the show just kind of took on a life of its own. And it went to like three days a week. And now we are every day of the week. And it is, so it's almost like it's a full circle because the interviews really are what people lobbed onto. So I started doing all these interviews with reality TV stars. Then I branched out into actual celebrities. I kind of just trained myself how to be an investigative journalist and kind of get, listen, being a lawyer helps. Like, you know yeah. how to back someone against a wall, and get an answer that good or bad. This is going to be a huge headline. So it kind of is like I interview for headlines. We're in the press a lot, but also for entertainment. So that's kind of how where the show went. And now somewhere along the way, people missed all my gossip. And now that we're established, it's like these gossip shows I do are kind of some of everyone's favorite. So it's interviews and celebrity gossip. That's a very long answer.
1: No, no, I love I love that because I I love celebrity gossip. Even though nobody would think that I would, um, but I do, and I think it's it's a lot of fun, and people want to know. I think you shouldn't be obsessed with it, is my personal opinion, because if you're obsessed with that, then you don't know what's going on in your life. But it's fun. It reality TV just takes us away. It's like when people were watching TV in the '70s and they were watching the Brady Bunch or something. I don't know. It took us to another place, right? Lost in space, whatever it was. It took us to it. So it's just the same thing. It's just evolving. So who, who would be your, who was, who has been your most favorite interview as of today?
0: I mean, I feel that there are so many plateaus or like moments of like, wow, you know, it's like you always have a list and then you get certain people off your list So I would say some of the ones that stick out for me, it's I was the last interview that Anne Heche ever did before her car crash. So that took on a life of its own and became a huge thing after she passed. Regardless of what happened to her, I absolutely loved her. So it was just like one of these like, yeah. and there was time between, you know, it was an interview and then it sat there for a few weeks before it was released. And then all this happened. So it's just like a, crazy tragic series of events that i happened to be her last and so that holds like a special place for me i loved her anyway or even regardless but believe it or not i was someone else's last interview ever too tawny contain really? you know the white snake video oh
1: totally i i well, always wanted to be her
0: okay well i was her <laughs> like- i was her last video interview also so some of my some people joke that listen to my podcast i'm like uh Like, hopefully I don't have that kiss of death, but those were some, I mean, I also interviewed when someone doesn't have any reason to be on, like Susan Lucci, it was like a friend of a friend and just all the stars aligned. And I'm like, how is Susan Lucci on my podcast? Like I've had Fran Drescher on twice. Wow. Suzanne Summer. So like a lot of the non-reality stuff is really some of my favorites.
1: Right. And as we're talking, he's on his phone. No, I'm only kidding. Um, I did notice when I listened to your interviews, just a side note that you do seem to be a little, even with like Janice Dickinson, like somebody like, and I kind of like Janice, I felt like you were like looking at your notes, looking at, I don't know, but you said no, that at the beginning. No, believe it
0: or not, but not when I'm on the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> not when I'm on the air, believe it or not. Then I, that's actually pretty much the only time I'm really, truly focused one-on-one. But, you know, look, there is a process and you always have notes and you always have like, don't miss this, this one. And so I've gotten great about kind of having the notes and not looking at them. And you just look, you become, what's that saying? After a thousand hours of doing anything. I mean, I have over a thousand shows at this point. So it's just like, that's how a business should be, right? Year four should be easier in a lot of ways than year one, which
1: it is. Absolutely. And before every show, I always get a little nervous. And I think that's good. And whenever I like talk to one of my daughters, they're like, mom, you've done this a million times, you know what you're doing, you know, it's going to be great, because as soon as you get off the air, you're going to say, Oh, that was a great interview. But I think it's okay to always be I think it's more not nerves, but excited about what you're going to be able to share and hoping because sometimes there are dud interviews, right? Sometimes they do fall a little lower than expected. So I don't know if you've ever had that.
0: Um, I've had all of the above. Like I've (laughs) had, I've had like, I can't wait to talk to this person. They are so phenomenal, you know, just larger than life personality, like a Janice Dickinson. And then I'm not saying her, but then you get someone on the air and you're like, huh that fell short. And look, it's either they're either this is them. This would be the same outcome tomorrow or they're having a bad day or sometimes it's very rare. But every now and then I've had rare situations where I'm just like, like my whole world has just exploded an hour before, not even in a bad, but like, I guess. It, this sounds so horrible, but like I have something so much bigger than this, which just happens. Like it's a bigger guest or whatever. And my mind right. is so preoccupied, which is you try to fake it. And so, but it's really mostly the other person. It's just, huh, we're just not connecting. Yeah. I've hit so many balls and sometimes you <laughs> could wheel the person in and Other times you're just like, we're 25 minutes into this. It's just not going to connect. And that's okay. Right. Will And a lot of times I notice the audience doesn't necessarily notice, but yes, other times I will have a guest. Well, like in Anne Hayes you're like, I have to ask about how I have to ask about Ellen. So that is not really what you, I'm sure this is the question we're tiptoeing up to. Right. So Feeling, it's like that's feeling everything to get there the 20 minutes in you're just like this could truly go one of two ways but by the time you get to those big questions you got that feeling and so right away I was like oh my god I love this woman so just sometimes you're interviewing someone where you're like this person could be so because I could see Anne Hayes having been really difficult and like I'm serious and I don't play around but she was lovely so sometimes I have my own backstory of like I'm not like nervous, but like, I better get my shit together. And then they're just like, wow, that was so much better than I thought. I thought this person would be such a ball buster. So I've had it every way of like, so blew my expectations away or like, oh, that was a dud.
1: So with all the podcasting you've been doing, all of the celebrity interviews you've been doing, you probably are asked to attend a lot of events and are, are, are the Bravo ladies throwing themselves at you that they want to be interviewed by you? Yes and no. Um, Some are, and others are
0: just, listen, you can't, I don't wake up and say, today's the day I'm going to burn another bridge. But I mean, my brand is, you know, you talk about the name of your podcast, right? Like fearlessly authentic. So we're not a watered down version. So we are going to talk about what's going on. And, and, I give opinions on these people and it's nothing personal. It's, I, I really have it's no your, You're
1: just, you're right. You're observing it. So let's, let's get into it. I want to talk about Maurice and Kyle on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which. Mauricio and Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say they were Oh, I said the name wrong. Okay. Mauricio, Maurice, <laughs> Mauricio, same thing. Okay. All right. So it seems like from what I know that they're not separating, that they're going to work on their relationship. What do you know?
0: I mean, that's what they say. Well, they've come out with a statement, first of all, that we're separating, which was in People magazine, which, you know, Daily Mail, paid six, The Sun. But when it's in People, it is a pretty authenticated source. So that's out there. Then they released this statement that, like, they're not divorcing. So, okay, I mean, that has nothing to do with whether you're separated. You're still, you're not taking that back. And now there's just so many mixed messages. Look, I don't think you get to a statement in people about separating and you're in a truly happy marriage, like this has to come from somewhere. So I tend to think that this is not the happy marriage that we thought it was. And look, if you don't divorce and you stay together, but you're living separate lives, I mean, no judgment, but that isn't like everything is fine. That's not a traditional marriage. So I don't think there's some happily married couple. No.
1: I You think they're doing I, it for promoting the show for the fall? I really don't. A lot of people okay. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because,
0: no, I mean, I can't see Kyle herself doing that. Like, she doesn't need a storyline. She's protected as a housewife. Mm-hmm. She's an OG. Like, she's not at right. risk for losing her job. I don't see it. I don't see a, like, let me be in on this and put my family through this. I just don't see it. I really think... This is the life they lead.
1: Okay. Now, what did you think I of didn't. Lisa Rinna? I feel like she stirs the pot with the whole Aspen thing. The whole, I don't know. She's not coming back, right? She's not coming back. I
0: mean, I said she wasn't coming back as soon as all this did? started. It's like, the thing is, it's an ensemble cast. And so look bravo does this to you it's a whole setup but i think once you become bigger than the show and you suck the life out of a room or every scene you're in it's happened on new york with dorinda like people think like oh and listen i think productions involved i think they applaud you when you're doing it yeah but it's like when you're at your end and it's so much where do you go from there so i really don't see how they could have brought lisa rena back to play in an ensemble cast. It's like, she had a great run. She was great at the job, but I feel like they, it's like they lead you there. It's not like her. I think you get lost in it and everyone gets fired. And when it's you, I think you just lose sight that you're the one. But to me, it was so obvious. It was like, oh my God, pull back, pull back because this isn't going to end well. Because where do you go after that? It's like, you've have gotten everything out of you and it's become too... Harsh, like uh, they don't really want it to be that dramatic. They want drama, but not real harsh drama. And I think Renna took it too far. Do you which, f- do you feel that way too? I think she was great at the job. I think she could have stayed, right. but it doesn't. I'm not shocked that she's not there. I'm not shocked at all. Really. Do you think but Kathy I, I think do you was, think
1: it had to do with Kathy Hilton
0: coming look, back? I mean, Kathy's really not supposed to be a part of it now. I mean, she's not there done filming. Now they pick cameras back up for this Kyle stuff. I think they should call Kathy. And now, I mean, now is the time to have Kathy make an appearance on the screen. Right. But uh, I mean, Kathy's not back. I just think, I mean, Kathy, it's, this is NBC Paris. Hilton has a spinoff. I just think it's like, it's complicated, you know?
1: Okay. I do. It it seems like it is. Just watching it, it seems like a headache to me, but that's just me. I don't know anything. Um, I did see today that Erica won her appeal to get back the earrings or what's what's going on with that? And by the way, I love her. How do you feel about her?
0: I feel, you know, she, and I'm trying to just look to see because I saw something about that. Yeah, I think
1: I sent it to you. I think
0: she has the earrings and so she gets to keep them. I put it in something to that effect. But look, I mean, I think any win, like, you know, I I like Erica because like, look, the whole world caved in on her, right? And everyone had an opinion. And like, when that happens, you have nothing but to keep going. Like, you're not going to shrivel up and and stop. So she, what is she supposed to do? So the fact that she's coming out the other side, it's like- that's how it works. Did right? you see this
1: article? No. Yeah, it just says um, the earrings debacle might finally be over. Of course, it wouldn't have been such a situation in the first place if Erica Jane hadn't made such a fuss. So um, she wins appeal over those diamond earrings. So and she gets was, to keep them. Yeah, that was that was today at eight twenty-seven a.m. So I mean, I saw like some people are saying, "Oh, that's not really
0: a victory," but I just think every little victory is a victory for Erica, right? So it's not... I mean, she is moving on the other side of it. You know, it is... She is
1: coming out the other side. Right, right. It was horrible. Do you have a favorite on the uh, on Beverly Hills? A favorite cast member that you can well, talk I, about? Out
0: of... I'm trying to think who is truly there now. I thought Rena was great. I yeah. mean, I really like Erica. I really like Sutton. I think those are the two that would come to the top of my mind, Erica and Sutton.
1: Yeah. I like Kyle and Erica Sutton. I don't know her well enough because I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I just don't get it. I mean, it's, I I think a lot of people don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't
0: get it. I think in the real world, she's the one I know the best, if I could say so.
1: So all right.
0: yeah, I mean, but I feel, I just think Beverly Hills is such a great franchise. It's still going so strong.
1: Yeah, it's got all the glam. And I heard you talk about on one of your um, interviews, I don't remember who it was, maybe with was Sarah, um, that sort of a lot of the glam has gone away, not for Beverly Hills, but overall. And you were referring also like to Selling Sunset that's got these beautiful women, all the glam, couture and everything else. And you feel like Absolutely. a lot of that's been lost in the franchise, the Beverly, um, the Real Housewife franchise. Yeah, I think it's just becoming
0: more of the norm. I mean, there's all the franchises are so different, right? But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, if you really boil it down, it's all kind of the same. You know what I mean? It's like it's a group of ensemble women, like of a certain age. So, with all these different cities, they're all kind of on in the back to back and at the same time. If you really think about it, I think it's like overload. The ratings are not what they used to be. I just think it's like the franchise is not the juggernaut that it was before. I think like the big picture is like, I think are are people tiring of Housewives. There are a core group that still watch it, but a lot of people don't.
1: Yeah. It's um well, there's a lot of reality TV out there. When they came out in the air, I don't know how many years ago, 10. 10- 11 years ago there wasn't a lot of reality TV and I think that has a lot to do with it that's just my humble opinion um but I am not an expert like True. you all right so I wanted to ask you about uh Bethany Frankel so yes uh, um so I've always been a fan of Bethany Frankel um I watch her on TikTok and all of her cheap cosmetics and everything what do you think about that do you know her personally what's your relationship with her what do you think of her I mean, I know her like Bethany. To me, is like
0: it's she's she's a confusing one.
1: There okay, are so that's days, why I'm confused.
0: There, there are just days where you're okay. like, "I love you," and then watching these things she does. And there are other days where I'm like, "I'm over it." You're you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. It's like, look, pick a lane. Like, if you want in on Housewives, just say it.
1: But for someone who
0: doesn't, yeah, for someone who doesn't want in, she talks about it a lot.
1: Do you run into her in the Hamptons?
0: Shockingly, no. Ramona is all over the Hamptons. I never went into her. Jill Zarin I mean, I was texting Jill Zarin today. Jill Zarin lives down the street from, literally down the street. I never went into her. Countess Loanne also literally down the street. I could walk to Jill's house or Countess's house in a matter of like four minutes each. And I never went into either of them. Watch, now I'll run into both of I them. Know, the time. I
1: know. I know. But
0: like, no, it's really weird. Okay, because I I, think
1: everybody thinks that like, oh, the Hamptons, everybody runs into everybody, but it doesn't really happen that way. And like you do, but if I think about it now, like I haven't seen, like
0: I was even joking when I texted Jolton, like I haven't seen her all summer. Uh, Again, like same town at three minutes from my front door by walking, maybe four, and we never see each other. Crazy. So It's weird.
1: I was watching and just like that, a spinoff from Sex and the City. And in the second season, I don't know what episode it was, somebody said, why don't you buy a house in the Hamptons to Sarah Jessica Parker? And she's like, well, you know the reason I won't do that. And the woman says, Bethany Frankel. And then, so I was wondering if there's been any talk about that comment.
0: I mean, I think I've talked about it on my podcast. I mean, I think it's more like, is this Andy Cohn? Is it is Andy Cohn trying to like oh. smack down Bethany? Because I mean, he's, Sarah Jessica Parker is a producer on, and just like that, like right. is this is this getting in there through Andy because of SJP, and is this like a a little shade well, towards well, Bethany from Andy? That's is where Andy my mind
1: producing goes. that show.
0: No, but you know, Andy's best friends with like SJP, and I mean, oh,
1: it's okay. kind of like I
0: just thought it was weird. I don't do know. You,
1: do you do you know him, Andy? No,
0: but certainly, I mean, we don't, like, we're not, like, best friends talking every minute of the day. Right. I was just
1: curious about that. All right. I, I never went ho- into him in the Hamptons either. So that's, there you go. That's crazy. All right. We want to go, I want to go on to New Jersey, since it's so, is New York, New Jersey close to me? Um, Melissa and Joe. What you, about them? I want to know what, how you feel about them. And I, yeah. They're okay. Let's get into it. I mean, look, I feel that... I
0: feel Jersey needs a huge change. That's that's what I feel. They've rebooted New York. I don't think they're going to reboot this. It's not even a matter of like whether I like Teresa more than Melissa. It's that uh, Teresa's not leaving the show. They're not going to fire her. This is just reality. And so to me, I mean... It's over between Melissa and Joe and Teresa. I mean, we have really, really it's beaten bad. this horse. Like, there's no more blood to get from this stone. It's exhausting. It is. And I think people that watch are exhausted. So I don't like nothing against Melissa. I just think it's time to move on. Like, I can't imagine. I mean, Teresa's also gone on and said, I'm not going to speak to them if they come back to the show. So, I mean, we've had seasons before where Teresa hasn't spoken to people, so it could be done. I I don't, mean, my sources, and from what I know, they don't want to lose Melissa. I mean, the show is on pause right now. They're trying to figure out what to do. I don't know where you go. Do you get rid of Melissa and really just pull the plug now and just change the show? Or do you have Melissa back and we have an, I don't see... I mean, rumor is everyone's coming back. I don't see how. I don't see how it's going to be interesting to the viewer to watch Melissa and Teresa ignore each other for an entire season.
1: Right. I mean, in the reunion, it it was all about the two of them fighting throughout the whole thing. And it was, I texted my daughter. I'm like, this is exhausting. Like, who can watch this stuff before they go to bed? You can't. You got to take, you know, something to sleep after that. Because it's exhausting to watch them. And it's not even, it's past, this is what I wanted to ask you. I think it's past the entertainment factor. When it gets to be exhausting, you're like, screw this, I don't want to watch it. Like We watch reality TV to just sort of relax and see what other people are doing. But when it gets to be fighting all the time, and, I, and I'm sure the producers feel that way. Yeah, that's the thing. So there's all these rumors
0: that everybody's coming back. And I'm like, I still don't believe it. I personally don't believe it. I'm okay. You know, it's, I have no dog in this race. I just don't see, I think they want to bring Melissa back. If they didn't want to, I think contracts would have already been signed. But every day that goes by where we have a whiteboard and we have people's names on it. I think when Melissa's name is up there with Teresa and they storyboard and hypothesize how this is going to play out. And then the next day they go to sleep and they take her name off. And they're like, what is that going to look like? I still think to me, the more interesting show is a show without Melissa and Joe now, because I just don't know who wants to watch. I mean, it's not like a year. We've given it ten seasons. It's it's Melissa has been there since season two, three. Since season three. Here we are in third. I just think it's just time to see what that's going to look like. And I don't think they want to do that. I said the same thing about Lisa Rinella last season in episode two mm. and everyone fought me on it. And here we are. I was like, I just, I physically don't see how when this they, when been.
1: they stir the pot too much for no reason. Right. So it's
0: too much. So, I mean, maybe they'll bring Melissa back. I just don't see how that can be a whole season. I just don't.
1: Because they get together. They all get together. So how did you feel about them bringing on Rachel and her husband? I can't remember what her husband's name is. John,
0: Rachel and John Fuda.
1: Yes, yes. How did you think about that addition? I
0: mean, look, I think they needed new people. They're definitely, you know, every time they hire a new group, they've said it. I mean, they're going younger. That just is what it is. I like my housewives in the 50s and 60s, but that's not what Bravo wants. And I mean- I understand it. They're they're think. I mean, look at the New York reboot. Every single person, except for Jenna Lyons, is between age thirty five and I don't even think forty five. I think like forty two. Like they really want to find people where they can say we have fifteen years to go.
1: Well, that's how the housewives started. They were in their thirties right. and forties, and now they're in their fifties and sixties, and. You know, for somebody who is 62, I love it because we can see that these women are still feeling sexy and vibrant, but I get it. Like they started 15 years ago. We, a lot of people want that new blood in and I, and I get it because we keep hearing the same stories over and over again. Yes. And I think they
0: want a good 10 years of like, wow, we have a hit. We don't have to recast this for a good amount of time. Right.
1: Dolores, what do you think of her? she's an o g right not an o g but she's been around forever. okay,
0: look, I think she's in the best position going into next season. She's the only person who's like not picking a side. She's in the middle. i think somehow she gets she gets a lot of criticism for not picking a side, but whether it's a strategy or not, I think now it's like she is. If ever they need a middleman, this is the person. Like, they they need it now. So I think she's, in a way, the most protected person on the cast. I mean, Teresa is too. I think almost everyone is. But I just don't see how it's going to work with Melissa. But if Melissa's back, that wouldn't shock me either. Because that's the narrative that's going around. And now I've slowly accepted it. Now watch, she's going to be gone. And this is what <laughs> happened with Rina. And I said, you should just always stick to your, to your gut, David.
1: Right, right. Now, Teresa's husband, Louie, he's a very controversial person. He stirs up a lot of crap. What do you think about him? He's been on the show for how long? I mean, I know he's married to Teresa now, but what do you think of what he's doing
0: I mean, look, nobody really knows. I mean, I feel like where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, it's not like she married some accountant or like, you know, school teacher that clocks in and clocks out and someone that lives like a nice, you know, something is going on. So whether it's eccentricity, whether it's illegal, like this just isn't a person that is so straight and narrow, something is there. Whatever, however far out that goes, I don't know. But it's like, of all the people that you could have found, I mean, he's reality TV gold. So I'm okay. sure producers love it. Listen, I-, I know Teresa in the real world. I know Melissa. I'm not such a fan of either of them as human beings. I don't find either of them so overly wonderful and gracious. I would take Teresa over Melissa as a person. There is a much more authentic, authentic, vibe to her. And there's a much more warm aura, so to speak. So regardless though, of whether you like Teresa or not, I mean, who can wish this woman any harm? I mean, after your husband is deported, it's the father of your children. You went to prison. He went to prison. You lost your parents. I mean, we all lose our parents, but it's just who would wish this. So I really, really, really hope it works out for her. She's not one to flee. I mean, so right. I really feel in her defense when she takes the vows of, you know, enricher or poorer or sickness totally. and health, she's not going to leave Louis. She will not. She's in love. So I just hope that when it all falls apart, like, look, if they came and knocked down the door tomorrow and said, we're taking him downtown and we're booking him and here's all the illegal things he did and your husband's in a lot of trouble, uh, I don't think she's going to leave him. And I'm not criticizing her for that. Right. Like, good for her. I just hope
1: that we don't get there. Right, right. So you mentioned that her parents passed away. Um, Lisa was, Lisa Rinna just lost her mother. She's just going back to, you know, yeah. and I think, you know what? I lost my mom a year and a half ago and it does screw you up. So maybe that's part of, you know, that could be part of it too. Who knows? We, we don't, we don't know. We don't, but maybe, you know, cause you know everything.
0: No, I think that has to do like, I think Lisa Rinna was somebody who was grieving her mother's death in front of all of us. Yeah. Whether she realizes that or not, I think that definitely had a huge part to do in it.
1: Right. What's your favorite subject to talk about? Overall, so if you're out with friends, are you talking about the Real Housewives? Are you talking about other shows? Are you or on your show? What is your favorite thing to
0: talk about? Such such a different answer. So if I'm on my show, yeah, my favorite topic to talk about with celebrities, with anyone, is the concept of fame, the addiction of fame, how fame changes you, and with regular celebrities too just the concept of fame versus the work, like why why do people get into reality TV or real acting? Is it fame? Is it money? And just the concept of fame and how that's an addictive drug. I love on air talking about those topics. When I am not working, the absolute last thing in the entire world that I want to talk about is Real Housewives. When I meet someone on a dating site, when I was in it, cause I split my time between New York and the Hamptons and LA, which makes me sound like a total douche, <laughs> when i i have friends from new york that are also in la for the fall january february march when my friends had a goodbye party in march when they were coming back to new york they had this big dinner you get there it was a whole thing we had name cards i'm like jesus i didn't realize this was a whole thing (laughs) they strategically sit me next to these two people one across one next to me that are just huge oh my god and it's you (laughs) and your podcast and it's always the same who's your favorite housewife what is this one like was i like i literally am in hell this is actual hell on earth i do not want to talk about real housewives if someone wants to go on a date with me i do not want to talk about real housewives it is truly the last thing that i want to talk about in the real world on air i love talking about that but really the addiction of fame and the concept of fame and just those are the type of things I like to talk about. And like the industry, I love talking about like the misperceptions of the industry. You know, I think a lot of people think, you know, you we're on a sitcom in, you know, 1980. Well, that person's not friends with Julia Roberts or Brad Pitt or George Clooney. This person is like basically, well, they're in debt and they're broke and they're working on strike for SAG-AFTRA. And there's Julia Roberts up on the hill with Brad. So I just think like the concept of like the industry is like a pyramid. And this is like the 1% and how it's like everybody else is like a working actor or actress. And because of what I do, like my whole relationship to fame has completely changed because of what I do. I've spoken to so many people now. It's just like, I'm in charge when you come on my show. Like I'm like, I'm friends with certain people that like, I mean, I would have like been like, Oh, like if you even said to me 10, like, I just never would have believed it now. I'm just like, Why are you calling me? I don't got time for this. So (laughs) it's just like my
1: perception, my relationship. It's like everyone's a human being, right? Well, and I think people forget that. So I'm glad you said that. And I think people do look. They put these people on pedestals because they're famous and they they have so much fame and fortune. And I'm sure, like that, so many of the people that you've interviewed who are famous. Say that they're just not that happy. It doesn't bring them to um, any more happiness, right?
0: Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, the actual actors and actresses are struggling to find work. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like about the housewives, this one and that one. I'm like, listen to me this person a if you were dying in the street bleeding from being run over by a car and they had to reach out and break a nail they would not even break a nail to try to get you from bleeding out dead so mm-hmm. a why are you idolizing this person and b i know mm-hmm. this person they are an actual horrible person horrible as a friend this is nobody you should want like do not look that go idolize your right. mother your sister your brother. So you can't, I mean, you know, I'm not being preachy, but you just, that whole concept is so strange to me. It's so strange to me. Like when people say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh my God. If we ever see, and it's like, (laughs) that's, that's amazing. And, And they all are like, oh no, that's such, I'm like, you love me. And if you saw me at a restaurant in LA, you would come up, you would want a picture. We would engage and let me tell you something you would be mid-sentence with me asking for a picture, phone race. If Teresa Giudice (laughs) from The Real Housewives of New Jersey walked in, you would knock me over. I would fall to the ground. You would step over me and you would forget what you were saying to me and you would run across to speak to Teresa. So I appreciate all of this wonderfulness. I also have lots of online haters, but it's like it's just a strange concept that isn't lost on me of how all of this works those are the topics i love talking well, about well
1: and you and so you know you just sound sound like a very grounded person somebody maybe much younger in their 20s would may not feel may not feel that way so in speaking of online haters what comment or comments have you ever made about people out in the celebrity world that has gotten you the most hate
0: i I, I like so I really don't comment on people's Instagram. Now I talk on my show. Right. And so then people will leave comments and they'll come for me all day. Um, you know, and so listen, a lot of I always say to people, and this really is true, I people can disagree with me all day. I don't really engage. Like, I try to answer the positive comments. The negative comments really don't get to me. When people go really low, I will just block you because now it's not, you can disagree with me all day. Melissa's not going to be fired and we can argue or whatever. If by all means, have your own opinion and don't agree with me. It's when I'll usually, and it depends on my mood. Online comments are like therapy to me. When I'm <laughs> in the mood, you're I a will, sick man. <laughs> well, when, you know what it is? it's like all or nothing. You can't really, you on, on YouTube, I get hundreds and hundreds of comments. So I actually don't really answer a lot of comments on YouTube mm-hmm. on Instagram. It's more like there's certain comments, like these are your true listeners every day. And you, you just want to, I do think at some point, like, I think there's a way to do my job eventually retired, but not be retired. We're not even near there yet, No, but There will be a day where I just don't engage with comments at all, which I understand a lot of people do. I always feel bad. I feel like there are just lots of good ones in there. So to get to the good ones, you have to read the bad ones. Mostly I just ignore them or I I say something funny, but every now and then it is your therapy. You're in a mood and you're like, I'm just going to take it out on my, my stress today is coming your way. I mean, I'm not going to start anything with you, but I'm going to give it back to you now. And then it's like, if we go back and forth and now you get really low, I will just block you. I mean, it's as simple as that. And you're still listening to my podcast. You're still listening through some, you're going to comment through, but so it's almost like, where does this lead us now? You're, you got yourself blocked. It's not like, oh, you're punished, but you still are going to listen and observe from afar. Wouldn't you have wanted to engage in the conversation? I don't know.
1: Right, no, I I understand that. I get I get a bunch of negative comments on certain posts that I put up, and um, weirdly, it's from men, some from women. Um, but you got to ignore them. My daughters always say, "Just ignore them, mom." But ignore. if they, if some of them, I do, and then I block them, or I will engage a little bit, and that's it. I w- might respond in a in a very positive, respectful way. Same here. Uh, but, and then I, then I move on. I don't respond again. If they respond again, if they start being a jerk, then I just take off the comment and block them. That's it. I mean, you know, you have to, you just, it's for your own sanity. And, you know, I think both of us are evolved enough to know that it's those comments are not going to have a huge effect on our lives. You know? No, they're not. And the negative, listen, I've always said this
0: and I truly, truly believe it. Anyone that has you know five positive reviews on their podcast, twenty positive comments, you're you bought the comments. Your friends are commenting, or no one's listening to your damn show except for your friends. I feel the negative. The bigger my show got, the more the negativity seeped in. I mean, there are days where someone's like, "You know, you're all over Reddit," and it's like, "Okay, well, yeah, there's a whole Reddit thread here about me about how much these people hate me." It's like I always tell people. When you discover something or you read a comment about yourself, where is that comment from? That comment was there for seven days. So for seven days, your life was existing and you didn't know this whole thread or this comment existed. So there's nothing. It's that really goes back to the truth of like, you can't control people's actions. You can only control your reactions. So you can internalize that now, but really... Think about it. Nothing in life has changed at all from 10 seconds ago. You are just aware of this now. So that says nothing about you and some, everything about someone else. So why are we spending any time focused on this at all?
1: I I like the way you think about that. So going on to something that you've been a little criticized for. I've is... been
0: criticized for lots of things. <laughs>
1: for uh, me too. So Ozempic you started using Ozempic back in the fall. What happened?
0: Manjaro. Manjaro, so, Manjaro, so like when I first started using it, I said Ozempic, which just shows you where the world is. Cause at first no one knew about anything else other than Ozempic. But I started in October, a combination of Manjaro and the generic semi-glutide, same thing, it's all really the same thing, right. minus one or two peptides. Um, what was the question? So I started, I've been outspoken about it.
1: From the beginning?
0: Pretty much. Okay. Why did you
1: feel like you wanted to share that
0: with the world? That's a good question. I don't know how it originally came up on my show, but it did. And then what happened is I got a thousand million DMs of people being like, I want to be referred to your person. Then I called the person I work with. And I said, by the way, you know how I owe you money, I'm not paying you. And I'm never paying you. Because <laughs> this is the this is the whole point of this. You know, all these people advertise on my podcast, and I hear this great mattress, no one's buying this mattress or a Peloton bike. This is the actual reason people pay me tons of money. I'm going to just not even ask you for that, but I'm not paying you. So I started referring people, not that I'm a drug pusher. I can't get it for someone. I can refer you. And so I kind of- That's what
1: happens when you're being fearlessly authentic. Just right. gotta gotta plug that for a second.
0: It's true though. It's like, how did this become like, I mean, I'm trying to, this isn't even something I'm trying to sell. And so she was like, you're never paying me. You're right. I'm like, every month here are more people just. So that's when I was like, A, I don't ever want to pay for this. So I better just keep talking about it. But I'm very honest about my journey. I mean, it's not all roses. I've been very honest and believe it or not, one out of every, I don't even know, I wouldn't even say a hundred, one out of every like 250 to 500 people says you are disgusting. My mother's a diabetic. You're... I'm telling you the other four hundred and ninety—not. I thought I was going to get tons of hate actually. Right. But since I am fearlessly authentic, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to admit it. But believe it or not, most people, because I think people are sitting there at 50, whatever, 40, whatever, 60, whatever, eating lettuce, miserable, and are like, why are you losing weight? And I'm eating lettuce and water and I can't do it. Oh, now we understand. So it it actually makes people feel there's not something wrong with me. Metabolism really is different at 40 than 20. No wonder why I can't lose weight. You're doing it from a shot. So I think people feel empowered of like, there's not something wrong because it let's it's how frustrating is it to try to lose weight 24 seven and eat like the worst, most boring food. And you still can't lose weight.
1: And a lot like, of people think they need to starve. I mean, I've been in the fitness business for 40 years and, um, you know, the hardest thing for them to do is like change the way they eat.
0: Yes. So Yeah. So I am. And again, I'm like, I always, when people are like, it's a shortcut, it's a shortcut. It's not like you give yourself the shot and you wake up and have a key lime pie and Chinese food and life is great. There's a reason you lose the weight is because in the beginning you're so miserably sick that the thought of food really like, you don't. there's no miracle here. You don't, you lose weight because you don't eat. It does change your, there's patterns that change like your relationship to food changes. I have to say, being on it since October, I'm in this weird phase. Like my appetite is pretty much back. It's been back. Does that scare you? Yes. It scares me. You've lost how much weight? Like 40 pounds altogether.
1: Okay. And you work out also. Like it's it's not that you you're in the gym too. In the gym. So I feel like I have
0: gained some of the weight I've lost back, mm-hmm. but not much. And I feel like maybe I lost too much anyway, right. that it really was like, okay, when people were like, I mean, because people were having daily interventions
1: of like- Because you the, look so drastically the, different. I looked at some old pictures of you. I think if I didn't look at your old pictures I, and, you, and I got on the screen with you today, you look great. You look healthy. Um, you look fit. But I know that when people do lose a lot of weight, 40 pounds is significant that people are like, oh my God, you're sick. You're sick. You're sick. You're like, no, I needed to lose this weight." And it's funny because it did take you maybe to an extreme. And then it starts saying, okay, let's take you back. Let's put a five, seven pounds back on you. Right. Right. Which is probably what I put back. And right. So
0: I feel a little different, but like the person I work with is like, you still don't realize a, how much you lost and b how Little you're eating, even though you're eating a lot, how compared to what you ate before. But mind you, this was always me more or less for many years before COVID. I'm truly a COVID person of like, I have said this before and it's true. I'm just into fashion. So I like to look a certain way and be fit because I like how clothes hang on me. I'm out all the time. During COVID, it's like, I could truly tell you if we had another COVID today, I would literally order Chinese food and pizza right now. Like there's (laughs) no, I just, anyone that says, how did I gain all this weight short of something genetic? I'm not that person. I take full responsibility. I knew just what was happening. (laughs) I saw the weight going on and I said, I don't fucking care. I'm never going to see another person. And by the way, because I have a Sarah, you you mentioned, we always fight about this.
1: Yes. Yes. She gave
0: you a hard time. I was just as happy heavier running this show. It's just, I'm happier now. That's all. Yeah.
1: Clothes fit differently. Yeah. I mean, but I I, mean, I'm
0: the same person. I just, I mean, so I was happy then too with 40 extra pounds. I just prefer this. That's all.
1: Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, We have a couple of minutes left. I knew this was going to go by so fast. Where can we listen to your podcast? Everyone can listen
0: to Behind the Velvet Rope on Apple, Spotify. We're also on YouTube, Behind the Velvet Rope. It is celebrity interviews, housewife interviews, and a lot of celebrity gossip. I dish the dirt. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Behind Velvet Rope. Instagram cannot have the on it. So it's at Behind Velvet Rope.
1: Okay, thank you. And we didn't get to Angie Dickinson. Uh, Angie Dickinson. Oh, my God. I can't believe I said that. Janice Dickinson. Um, Your was favorite. That, did, did you love the interview? I had her
0: on once before. So I knew what to expect. J- Janice is like one of those, like the first time I got her, I was speechless. Second time I was like, okay, we've done this before, but I love Janice.
1: Yeah. She was, um, hilarious with her, um, with her guys there and her, her, taking her. her show on the road. Yeah. Um, so my last question for you, David Yontif is what does it mean for you to live a fearlessly authentic life?
0: I mean, I think the easiest thing is to say, the easiest way to answer that is to say, just don't give a fuck what anyone says. That's it. When you are on your deathbed, you are going to be surrounded by way, way, way less people than you think. And the people there are the only ones that matter. So if you are living your life and you care online or in the real world, what anyone says, for even a minute, it is a minute that you have wasted in your life that you can never get back. So when I am on my deathbed, I will not regret anything I've done or said because I truly don't care. I live my life how I want. And when people say to go left, if your brain tells you going right is the thing to do, you go right. And that is truly what I do. You lose friends, you lose whatever. I don't care. You have to be authentic to yourself. And that's what counts.
1: I love that answer. You must have been raised, right? In a good neighborhood. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, okay. I have absolutely enjoyed having you on the show. I can't wait to share this with everybody so they can listen to it. And for those of you who have been listening, thank you for joining us today. Again, this is with David Yontif, host of Behind the Velvet Rope. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week for Fearlessly Authentic. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in this week
0: to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.